0: Well, Shalom, Khabarim. Welcome to the Jewish Road Podcast, where we help Christians make sense of their roots so they can help the Jewish people make sense of Jesus. My name's Matt, and I'm here with my dad,
1: Ron. Say hello. Hi. Shalom to everybody. Great to be with you. There you
0: go. Now, we're here to give a unique perspective on the story of God and his people. We believe this is one story that's been told in two acts, and we call that Act 1 and Act 2. Like a two act play. In fact, it is. Uh, and that act one is the Old Testament. Act two is the New Testament. And what we've seen is that the Jewish people, they're familiar with act one and they say, Act two, not, not for me. Not for us. That's right. And we say it's like going to a play and leaving an intermission. And then our Christian friends, they show up late. They heard about the first act, but they watch the second act. And what we are trying to do here with the Jewish World Podcast is share the whole story. That's right. So uh, we are going to get into it, and you know, we spent all of season one going through the fall feasts, and we are about to engage in the spring feasts. And then after that, who knows what we'll talk about, but we have a full season two, lots of stuff going on here. And one of the things that we like the most— when we do the podcast, is we like to have just a little bit of fun. We'll, we'll get to the part that's not so fun, but even that we think is fun. Yeah. But we, we like to inject just a little bit. A
1: little bit of Jewish humor.
0: That's right. Now, we, we say inject, I think you say inflict, right? Inflict in, just in a little inflict. bit? Inflict, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, uh, we are going today to talk about the book of Esther. This is the, the uh, in Jewish world is called the the fast of esther or purim uh so we'll talk through that in a second but do you have any good purim humor purim humor yeah
1: well i've got uh, i've got a jewish story it's the white house jewish story all right let's hear it you want to hear it we've had we've had this whole break in here so i'm hoping that we're starting with some of our good stuff here okay well uh let me tell you we we have here the first jewish president of the united states Oh, has been inaug- inaugurated. All right, so we're
0: making believe cuz yeah, the chances of that happening
1: are. And the first Jewish holiday that follows his inauguration is guess what it is? Purim. Purim. All right, perfect. So he calls up his mother to invite her to the White House because he wants his mother to be with there with her, with him at the White House for Purim. Of course. And their conversation goes something like this. All right. Okay, the president says, "Ma, with Purim being the first holiday after my inauguration, I want to celebrate it with us at the White House. And his mom says, oh, I don't know. Uh, I'll have to get to the airport. And, uh, you know, and the president says, Ma, I'm the president of the United States. I'll send for a limo. It'll take you right to the airport. Yeah, the mom okay. says, okay, okay. But when I get to the airport, I'll have to stand on the line to buy a ticket and check my bag. It's going to be very difficult for me. He said, Ma, don't worry about standing on lines or any of that. I'm the most powerful person in the world. I'm the president. I'll send Air Force One for you. (laughs) She says, well, okay. But when I get to Washington, I'll have to find the cab. Uh, She's not giving up. (laughs) Persistent little thing. The president says, Ma, please, I have a helicopter waiting for you. It will bring you right to the White House lawn. Perfect. Perfect. And it sounds like it. Mom says, well, in typical Jewish mother fashion, yeah, but where will I stay? Can I get a hotel room? (laughs) And The president says, Ma, listen, we have this whole big White House. There will be plenty of room. Please join us for Purim. And so she finally says, "Okay, I'll be there. And two seconds later, she calls her friend and she says, hello, Sadie. Guess what? I'm spending Purim at my son's house. And Sadie says, oh, the doctor? And mom says, no, the other one. (laughs) (laughs) The other one. The president. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, pretty good.
0: All All right. right. Well, let's get into it. You ready?
1: Okay. Let's do it.
0: (sighs) The fast of Esther. The story of Esther. Uh, Let's start here. Uh, I want to talk about empires and kingdoms to start as as a way to contextualize, mm-hmm. you know, the moment that we find ourselves in right right now, we are in the week before actual Purim as we're recording this. And what's happening? Give us just a quick picture of what's happening on the world stage well, right now.
1: You know, what's happening on the world stage is just devastating. Uh, I think that the stage is being set for the final acts in the end of history. The actors are all taking their place on the stage. You know, it's just a classic battle between those who want you to pay allegiance to the empire and those, the one who's calling you to affirm your allegiance to the kingdom. Yeah.
0: Now, specifically what's happening right now, there's war in Europe. Uh, Vladimir Putin is, has, has come in and it's been a couple of weeks uh, since the attack in Ukraine and As you go throughout history, we have seen this battle between empire and kingdom, right? You see the pharaohs, and they're building their empire. And when you have an empire, it's demanding total commitment. And what that looks like is oppression, Uh, And it's always against this backdrop of a God who is leading his people through the wilderness. It says like a shepherd who leads his sheep, Um, but empire always rears its ugly head. Like take me through who are some of the empires and some of the leaders throughout
1: the past? Well, I mean, some of the empires starting with uh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, when we started, he started off the times of the Gentiles and uh, the empire of Babylon. Uh, You had Herod, who built an empire in Rome. You had Hitler with his Third Reich and wanted to create uh, his whole empire. And now today you have Vladimir Putin. You know, so there have been many empires uh, down through world history. And uh, it's, it's an interesting thing. You make a point that there's a difference between empire and the kingdom.
0: Whenever you are looking at this difference between empire and kingdom, there there's an invitation to pledge allegiance to the kingdom. There's It's a beckoning, right? And in the narrative of history, we are hitting what's called, in every great story, it's it's the climactic scene. Uh, the climactic scene is this scene that takes place, it's about nine minutes before the end of the movie, right? This is the place where all of these open story loops are resolved and good succeeds, evil slithers away uh, to fight another day, but it's that moment in the story, in the movie, where
1: we get the hero.
0: Yeah, we we're waiting. Will the hero come through? Will they succeed, right? Will they disarm the bomb before it goes off, and will they save the city? Will the guy get to the airport just before the plane takes off so he can tell the woman he loves? It's all about her. He loves her. And then you you see that story. It plays out in some of these movies, right? Lord some, of the Rings. Will yeah, Frodo the Rings. Exactly. overcome the evil, and will he get that ring into Mordor? And even some of the, the easier...
1: Oh, one of my favorites, Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. Is, is is she going to help Mr. Banks love his family the way he really wants to?
0: That's right. And so you have this this backdrop. And, and we know that Jesus, or Yeshua, he is born into this backdrop of empire, the Roman Empire. And all the while, he's talking about kingdom. You look at the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about the kingdom. It's invitation, and it's very backwards and very different. And so... There is, and we'll, we'll throw this in the show notes, but there is this this discrepancy. There is this battle that's happening between empire and kingdom. Empire, you bring the power of the sword, while the kingdom is the power of the cross or that cursed tree. You have the empire, which seeks to control the behavior of the people, while the kingdom seeks to transform lives. What are some other things that happen between those two?
1: In the empire there are tribal borders there are people groups fighting against people groups uh, you know it's really kind of like even as yeshua said uh, the signs of the end of the age the nation will rise against nation the word for nation is ethnos yeah and so he you you see tribal groups and uh, people groups and ethnicity and religions and so on fighting against each other but in god's kingdom there's no borders everybody is welcome they're accepted into the kingdom without conditions.
0: Right. In the empire, you have an eye for an eye. Tooth for tooth, there's revenge. We're going to conquer with the sword. We're going to battle. Whereas what Jesus is talking about and proclaiming with the kingdom is that we return evil with good. We turn the other cheek. Uh, we walk the second mile. And so we're showing uh, things like praying for our enemies. And when it comes to the enemies, the empire, you see these earthly enemies and these earthly battles. Much of what we're in right now in the kingdom it's the powers of the principalities in the present darkness, and that's what we're going against. So, take all of that and that concept of empire and kingdom, and that's what we have in the story. Of Esther. Now, most people don't celebrate this as a holiday in the church. In the Jewish world, this is kind of a big deal, and it's it's the time where we actually go through. We read the entire story, or the Megillah. The Megillah, the whole book of Esther. Right, and and that's even something you could do that in about a half hour if you sat down. You could read through mm-hmm. ten chapters of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, Give us, let's just hit a quick overview. I don't want to go through the whole thing, but what we want to do is just pull out a couple things that we can pay attention to and, and glean from, especially in a time such as this.
1: Yeah, well, uh, there, there are some interesting things, and uh, if if I can insert somewhere in here some historical aspects, but the Megillat of Esther... Uh, The story of Esther starts with the fate, the unlikely fate, of a Jewish girl (laughs) living in the Persian Empire. And you have King Ahasuerus, uh, Xerxes II. He takes Esther, who is the cousin of the Jewish advisor Mordecai, to be his new queen after deposing Queen Vashti. Yeah. There's a whole mess that takes
0: place there in chapter one. Vashti doesn't want to have anything to do with it. By the way, even just the context of the Persian kingdom, this is this is Cyrus coming in, right? After Babylon. So, right, the, the Jews are taken off um, and they, they serve 70 years and now we're in Persia and the Jews... There's, there's a good group of them that have decided we're going to stay in Persia. And now we have this Medo-Persian king, Ahashuerus or Ahashverosh in in the Hebrew. And, and now
1: we have this, this story that begins to simmer. In the beginning of all of this, Esther hides her Jewish ancestry from Xerxes until the wicked Haman or Haman in Hebrew hatches his plot against the life of the Jews and she can't hold her peace she has to speak out for her people.
0: Here here's what goes on and I want you to take this in into the uh, in the framework of this idea that the empire is all about what are we're going to have one people group you got to worship our way if you don't then you're out of here right? So sounds here, here, a
1: little familiar.
0: Yeah, I mean here here's the scene. This is in in the book of Esther chapter 3. And I'm looking at verse 8. It says then Haman said to King Ahasuerus There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom. And get this, king, their laws are different from those of every other people, and they don't keep the king's laws, so that it is not to the king's profit to tolerate them. So if it pleases the king, let it be decreed that they be destroyed, and I will pay... 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who have charge of the king's business, that they may put it into the king's treasuries. The king takes his signet ring from his hand, gives it to Haman, the Agagite. Let's get to that in a second. Mm -hmm. And the enemy of the Jews and the king said to Haman, the money is given to you, the people also to do with them as it seems good to you. Hmm. that's the kind of power you don't want to give a villain in a
1: story. Wow. And you know, it's so much parallels some of the things that are taking place today in the world, even in our own country. Yeah. I mean, and you look at every one of these different stories, right? This is, This is the story of
0: Hitler. There's a group of people that is not like us. We're going to get rid of them. You look at uh, even the Hanukkah story, right? And we're going to make sure that everybody is observing our Greek way of life. And if not, we're going to get rid of them.
1: I like those words in the verse where he says there are these people and their laws are not like ours. You know, it's it's like I'm, I'm always looking at these things historically and looking at the parallels that we see today because they're so evident. Uh, we have those who look at Christians today and say, we've got to stifle them. We've got to quiet them. Their laws are not where we want to go. That's right. It's, there's this battle once again between empire and kingdom. It mm-hmm. keeps coming up. And so, and of course, the Jews are in that group also. That's right. Always, always. So,
0: the story goes that that God had placed Esther right into this story for a certain purpose. You have this Jewish queen now she is right there at the top of the line with the king, and she 's being advised by her uncle mordecai and and he says a couple of things right One of the things he says is, "Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape." Any more than all of the other Jews. Mordecai is savvy to what's happening to Haman and what, what Haman is planning. So what's it says you if you keep now? silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. I mean, even just stop there. Why will
1: deliverance have to come from another place? because God has made a promise to his people, Israel. That's right. He's made a promise to the Jewish people. They are not going to perish. I mean, I I can't help but get excited about and look at the parallels that we're seeing today. Uh, it, It looks like there is a building enemy base, once again, with Israel. And we know that there is going to be an attack. Ezekiel prophesied that. But God is not going to let it happen. Uh, help will come from another place. And in this case, it'll come from God. And I think it came from God even in the case of Esther. It's interesting that God is not mentioned in the entire book of Esther.
0: Yeah, and that is one of the things. God, God The name of God is not mentioned at all in this book. But you see his hand sovereignly working out through every piece of this story. Mm -hmm. So he says, if you don't do anything, then there will be deliverance. God will always have a deliverer. And it always seems that Israel's back is up against the wall, right? It's at the very last minute. Will this climactic scene, will this story end? Will God be faithful? Um, So the deliverance will come. For the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows, hey Esther, who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a
1: time as this. That's, that's amazing that the word kingdom is inserted right there. What kingdom are they talking about? Yeah. Well, I think Mordecai is speaking to a bigger and greater and better kingdom
0: yeah. against the backdrop of the empire.
1: Yeah. 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 Because Israel's kingdom had really kind of dissolved yeah. uh, with the captivity but they're looking forward to something else. It's uh, kind of, if you look at it that way, it's a far prophecy.
0: So there's a fast, I mean, let's fast forward through a lot of this, right? She fasts for, for three days and three nights, and she's gonna, she lays out a plan. Um, she's going to go in and talk to the king. That's and, illegal. Yeah, you got to be careful, right? He has to raise the scepter. If he doesn't, it's off with your head, even if you're the queen, yeah. even if you're a beautiful queen. Mm-hmm. And so she sets it up, and she has a couple of feasts. They have some wine, and she invites Haman into this. Not just one party, but there's a second party. And it's at that time that she reveals the plan of Haman. Pull us into that scene for a second. What, what is going on uh, and how is she setting up this story? You, you think that all hope is lost and then she sets it up and Haman's in there. And Haman actually had some plans for Mordecai.
1: Okay, well, the answer to this uh, actually occurs in chapter 7 when uh, the king Ahasuerus asks Esther, what uh, would your petition be, Queen Esther? Uh, Tell me what it is is that you would want, and it shall be granted to you. What is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom, it will be done. And so Esther then goes through this little uh, diatribe, of those who are lifting their hand against uh, the Jewish people. And ultimately, King Ahasuerus uh, asks Esther, who is he and where is he who would presume to do this? And Esther says, a foe and an enemy is this wicked Haman. And of course, then Haman becomes terrified.
0: And and at this point... Haman has already built gallows for Mordecai to be hung on, right? right. And you go through some of the story, and and Haman's walking around, and there's, you know— he, he sees that Mordecai is not bowing down to him, it enrages him, he goes crazy with all that, so he says, I'm gonna get rid of this guy, and it only further enrages him towards the Jewish people, the the longtime enemies. In fact, you were talking, we were talking earlier that Haman, his background, he's, he is an Agagite.
1: Haman is an Agagite. Is, uh, you know, the, the genesis of this whole drama gets played out uh, between Mordecai and Haman, also in the story. Mordecai is a Benjamite, he's a descendant of Saul and Haman is an Agagite which goes back almost a thousand years you know when the Jewish people exited Egypt in the exodus and they were attacked by the Amalekites who snuck up behind them and uh whose lineage actually uh, began with Amalek, who was the grandson of Esau. So you can see where, you know, this uh, heads back to. And God had pronounced a curse against the Amalekites, you know, which resulted in their total elimination as a people. And uh, Saul was supposed to go in and wipe out all of the all of the uh Amalekites, the Agagites, uh, and he did except for uh Agag. And uh so the, the enemy remains. The enemy remained. Uh actually Samuel went in and hacked Agag to pieces. Yeah. So it, it says
0: uh in chapter seven seven says the king arose in his wrath from the wine drinking <laughs> which is Kind of an interesting way to say that, but from his wine drinking. So he's, you know, you're either really happy or you're really, you know, piped up and and really upset. He goes into the palace and, and he says, those gallows that were meant for Mordecai hang Haman on the very gallows that he he created there. Wow, what a reversal. Right. And so that would be great if that was the end of the story, but that's not the end of the story because the king and his signet ring was still on this decree that the Jewish people should be destroyed. Now, there is a whole ending to the story, and I'm going to push you towards reading the last couple chapters there, how Esther once again steps in to her her role as the hero of this story, being guided by Mordecai, and really equips the Jewish people to be able to fight a battle. Now, how all of this comes about, and and the the celebration, and and long story short, uh, the enemy tries to kill Israel, and Israel wins. God, once again, is faithful to his people, um, but it says this, and this is chapter 9, verse 20. It says, and Mordecai recorded these things and he sent letters to all of the Jews, obliging them to keep the 14th day of the month Adar, which is what we're going to be looking at on Wednesday, March 16th, 2022, coming up here, mm-hmm. uh, but also the 15th of the same year by year as the days on which the Jews got relief from their enemies, that they should make them days of fasting, nope, not fasting, but feasting, feasting, feasting and gladness days for sending gifts of food to one another, and gifts to the poor. So even today, this is how the Jewish people will remember this story of Esther. This is where we get, we we don't call it the Feast of Esther all the time. We also call it by this word Purim. There you go.
1: How do we get the word Purim? Well, Purim is called that because Haman cast lots, or Purim. Yeah. And that was to determine the most propitious date for implementing implementing his plan, which was to wipe out the Jewish people. It was a genocide. That's right. And the verses there that talk about the casting of lots are, you know, very, very brief. But in Esther chapter three, and verse seven, it says they cast poor, you know, that is, uh, they cast lots, and Rashi makes a comment on this. He who, was, who's Rashi? He, he was a, a me, medieval rabbi, Okay, and he said, whoever cast it, cast it, and the verse does not specify who. This is an elliptical verse. So he interprets the phrase, that is the lot, this way. Says, he says, scripture explains, and what is the poor? That is the lot. He cast lots to determine which month he would succeed. That is talking about Haman. Uh, Because of Esther's faithfulness in relying on God's guidance and her courage to speak to the king on behalf of her people, Haman's plot was foiled. And the day that he dreamed all about his success and his rise to prominence and his, his success, that rise would have been accompanied by the annihilation of the Jewish people, yeah. actually became the day of the Jewish people's deliverance from death to life. And that's the day that we call Purim. Does it remind you of anything that's happening these days? You know, there's a difference
0: between a tragedy And a comedy and where the difference comes is in the ending now the purim story is a comedy in a sense because you have this story everything looks like it's headed for disaster there's there's no way out we're back to up against the corner like i said in the very beginning the climactic scene will good overcome evil and in an instant everything is turned on its head this combination of total reversal and perfect timing gives Purim its special flavor, its special joy. Uh, mm. There will come a time, it says, that our mouths will be filled with laughter. When when the Messiah comes and returns again,
1: um, we will be filled with laughter. Yeah. Um, you, you can imagine the relief that was there uh, when they are facing devastation and uh, just Ultimate you know annihilation, and all of a sudden the tables are turned, and the one our enemy who plotted all of this is the one who is destroyed
0: they, they They say that behind every Jewish joke, there's a Jewish tear, and it's a bittersweet feeling you know you look at at all that our people have gone through and there are certainly tears of sadness, and we remember, but there's also... Tears of joy. Yeah. yeah. God continues to deliver. It's like, is he going to actually do it again? Because
1: it doesn't seem like we can win, it, uh, you know, over and over throughout our history. Yeah. Well, you know, Israel is a very strong nation, very powerful right now, um, but they're not going to be a match for those that are ultimately coming against them in, I believe, the not too different, distant future. Yeah.
0: And I think we're headed for another um, tragedy that's coming, that mm-hmm. that the Lord will come back. In our darkest hour, uh, which is always just before the dawn, the Messiah will come back again. Now, one of the things that we looked at, and I thought this was interesting, was according to the sages, that any day that's marked by a special deliverance by God could be called a Purim. In fact, uh, we celebrate and we talked about this in season one, uh, Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement, is also known uh, throughout the Tanakh or the First Act or the Old Testament as as Yom Kippurim. And you can actually read that as Yom Kippurim, a day like Purim. Uh, And so on the day that the Yeshua, or Jesus, sacrificed himself on the cross, was the greatest Purim, or deliverance, of all. Uh, because right. of that day, we were eternally delivered from our enemies.
1: Right, and, and f- from our sin that indwells us. So, if, if you look at the, the day Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, uh, Kippurim, Purim, Purim, is embodied in that word, The question for us is, uh,
0: what do we do? How do we live? How do we take this story of Purim, of Esther, and we apply that to our lives, our situation today? And it's probably never been as real as it is right now, as we see what one nation can do against another nation, that the empire comes in and wants that control, uh, that we will be faced with a question in our own lives of... Will we step in? Will we trust God uh, to be sovereign and that our lives are, are really made for such a time as this? Uh, what do you take away from all of this as you look at this and reflect on the world that we have and this story that continues to repeat over history?
1: You know, what I, what I look at really is the fact that uh, we have to take a stand for God in our lives. It's not a matter of just... Uh, you know, filling out a card or saying a prayer or accepting Jesus, Yeshua, as the Messiah. We have to walk with him uh, in the same way that uh, he He calls us to and stand for the things that he stands for. Uh, he stood against uh, great adversity in his life, uh, in his humanity, and he said that we would... Uh, If we followed him, we would have tribulation as well. And so we need to be willing to stand for God in those things, knowing that ultimately uh, the tables are going to be reversed and God is going to have the victory. It
0: takes great courage to step in and to go against what the powers of the world are suggesting. You see that in the example of Mordecai. You see that in the example of Esther. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a scary thing. It's not an easy, just, just do it. Um, mm-hmm. Lives are at risk when you do that. So we take that into this season uh, that we're in, uh, the situation that this world is in, and remember that you are called out of the empire and into the kingdom, that we are supposed to look different, we're supposed to behave different, we are part of something else. And we have these heroes of the faith to remind us of the story that we are living in.
1: Even though God is not mentioned once again in this book of Esther, we see his hand and his deliverance throughout the whole thing. So even if you don't see the hand of God uh, in the circumstances of your life today, uh, you know that you can trust the heart of God.
0: Well, let's leave it there. Uh, That is the first episode of the second season of the Jewish Road podcast. You can find out more about what we are up to and believe it or not, we're up to quite a bit. Go to thejewishroad.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at thejewishroad. But visit the website and check out what we're up to. And what we're really up to for the next couple of months is all things Passover. Uh, We're going to be all over the country. We're going to be doing Passover seders and teachings. Uh, Still a couple spots if you want to jump in uh, you can contact us through the website but you can go to the jewishroad.com passover uh, we have some videos and other things that are coming out with all of that you look
1: like you want to say something well i was, I was just going to say you're not kidding we are actually going to be all over this country um, holding passover seders and teaching on passover That's right. God's deliverance. Yeah.
0: yeah, It's a great story. And it's another story of empire against kingdom. And so deliverance, and this really is the season of our deliverance. We're going to be remembering the Feast of Freedom. So any other questions, feel free to reach out to us at Shalom at the Jewish Road. But thank you for listening. Thanks for hanging in there with us. There is certainly more to come. And until then, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim.
1: Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They will prosper that love thee. Shalom. Shalom.